Yes, hello and welcome to the Business of Property podcast. I'm Stuart. And I'm Simon. We talk every week about the reality of running property businesses. Simon has a number of buy-to-lets and runs Patma, which is a leading portfolio management software system and a source of property market insights. Stuart runs a portfolio of co-living properties with a six-figure turnover and also has a property investment consultancy. Don't forget you can now join the email bot tribe simply by clicking the link below or going to businessofproperty.com and following the form there. And also, we are still looking for potential listeners to come onto the show where we can discuss their current property challenges, questions or concerns, essentially live on the podcast where Simon and I will give our instant feedback. So doesn't matter where you are at all within your property investment journey we'd be interested to hear from you just send us a, an email to show at the business of show at the business of again you'll be able to do that straight from the link in the show notes send us a note and we'll reach out to you and hopefully get you on the show to have a conversation okay now this week as you may remember from previous episodes simon has recently been getting a buy to let property live He is now live and he's going to talk to us about some of the detail of that in a future episode. But today, we're just going to really get into what Simon's seeing initially in terms of activity in relation to potential tenants for the property and also how that leads us into what we think is happening in the wider market based on some of the data we're seeing in Patma. So, Simon, you've got an investment property. You've actually put it on the market. That's uh, that's always a, a day for celebration. Indeed, indeed it is. And it, it has been quite a long time coming in this particular property. It's a property that, that I, I bought, well, completed on, I think, last October now. So it's, it's taken quite a few months to actually get it refurbished and sorted out and ready to rent out. And in actual fact, there are still just a few little bits and pieces that I need the, the builders who've been working on it to, to finish up. And then it needs a, a final little clean. The, the builders have left it in a pretty good condition, but there's always sort of odds and ends that aren't, aren't quite right. A little, little bit of cleaning needed. And also the, the windows need some, some attention just to, to make that ready and, and shiny. But the, the, the cleaning details aren't bad enough to, to show up in photos. So photos were taken. And that have taken ooh, a couple of weeks ago now, I think. And and I got a, a professional photographer in to, who specialises in property photography. And he came in and took photos around the house. And, and interestingly, also offered to take the 3D tour sort of imaging. I think he said it was only going to be an extra, an extra £60 if it was at the same time as the photos, which I thought, thought was quite good. However, it was part of or the data from the 3D imaging would be tied into Matterport, which is one of the, in fact, it is the leading property 3D virtual tour provider in terms of number of customers. But they, they charge a subscription for having, having this data hosted with them. I haven't quite worked out whether that, that would be worth it or not, but I didn't go with that for now. So I have floor plan and I have photos and I put together my own property listing I used a product called Open Rent, and I've now put that property live or that property listing live on Rightmove and Zoopla and various other places. And through Open Rent, it only costs twenty nine pounds for I can't remember whether that's a three month listing or a six month listing. 
but I'm definitely not going to need three months, <laughs> never mind any longer than that. Because as we are recording, the listing has been live just over 48 hours, and I've had over 30 people apply for, for viewing. Wow. Yep, quite. And it's, it's only a, a two-bed house. It's quite expensive, though, I think, really, I mean, in sort of the grand scheme of things. The, the monthly asking rent is £1,575. So it's, it's in, in the grand scheme of things, I think, think not cheap. But in the southeast, that's, that's about the going rate for a two-bedroom house. And there seems to be no shortage of people happy to, to apply for, for renting this house at, at that rate. And I've had all sorts of different people get in touch from people who have said they're sort of moving into the area from, from outside the area. People who've said they're, they're currently staying in a hotel in Gatwick and, and they're, they're desperate to find somewhere to rent. And then there have been other people who, given that asking rent, £1,575 per month, one of the questions Open Rent asks everyone who, who applies for viewing is, what is your, your total household monthly income? And more than one person has said, Two thousand pounds, or, or thereabouts, some slightly, slightly over, but about two thousand pounds. Now, I'm not terribly good at mental arithmetic, but I'm pretty sure that if my monthly income was two thousand pounds and I was paying out one thousand five hundred seventy-five pounds of it in rent, I probably wouldn't have enough left for heating and electricity and food and living <laughs> staying alive <laughs> right and I mean, we laugh uh, but this could be the case in some instances but back of the fag packet that's about 80 percent so you're saying that of your of your income 80 percent would go on housing now i can hear some people screaming well that is the case but but my my initial feeling on that was that it's people potentially misreading the the question and thinking that you're asking whether or not it's affordable to them and, and them saying, well, up to £2,000 is affordable, which I know you're actually looking into quite interestingly as well. Yep. So uh, we, we actually did some preparation. Uh, just, just, just a little teeny bit. Prep just, what? <laughs> just before. And I, I did actually have enough time to, to go back to some of these, these people who have, have applied and say that that doesn't sound like enough of income to be able to afford this rent are, are you sure and a, a couple of them even had enough time to to reply again and one of them at least said that they that, that was sort of almost right but they've got some extra income from benefits that they receive universal credit and housing benefit and whatever and they said that would that would put their total monthly income including benefits and everything up to about 2800 pounds now, that's better, but when I'm doing affordability sort of checks, I mean, obviously, when you get to sort of the final stages, do a proper credit and reference check on, on potential tenants. But just in the early stages, the sort of very rough figure I use to check whether the tenant will be able to afford the rent is 40% of income should be the rent. Ma- maximum 40% should be the, the rent. And... If you've got income of £2,800, £1,575, 
it's over 50%. It's 56%. Yeah, 56%. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> I can't can't get that accurate my, with my quick mental arithmetic. But yeah, it's over 50%. I mean, yes, as you say earlier, Stuart, maybe, maybe there are an increasing number of people who are, are forced to be in this situation where they are paying that much of their income. But surely that can't be... That can't be a, a comfortable situation, especially given that energy utility costs and things are, are going up as well. I, I mean, I look at our own numbers and I know that even from a mortgage perspective, that's going up quite high. So a lot of the thinking that I sort of agree with and listen to is that your fixed costs, i.e. all of those costs which will no longer change. So assuming that you'd agreed the best rates for energy, insurance, etc., that really the fixed costs of your outgoing shouldn't exceed 50 to 60%. So what we're talking about here is we're, we're only obviously talking about one element of those costs. But in my own experience, and obviously from a personal experience, it's slightly different because I know where we've overreached and I'm not saying everyone does that, but that is also a an element to be mindful of is, you know, where are people pushing up that price? So for as an example, is just that we knew that getting the property we, we were going to get was going to make our mortgage be more than 50% of our outgoings, which I won't say we were comfortable with because we absolutely weren't actually, but we kind of bit the bullet because it gave us what we wanted in short, I won't go into the details, but it gave us what we wanted. So there is that element. But that's why this is quite concerning in terms of this information, because we're talking about rent, if it's right, being anywhere between 60 to 80% of a of someone's outgoings, which as, as we said, if it's 80%, well, there is nothing left. Exactly. And I mean, after the 30 people or 30 plus people who have applied, the people who are saying they've got income this low is i don't know less than a third but it's it's more than five and is there that little housing that's affordable that that they have to feel they need to to stretch to to much more expensive housing or or are they deliberately trying to stretch themselves because they want want bigger housing or i i don't i don't know quite what the the situation and the drivers are but something that sort of might feed into that is obviously before i put this property on the market i had a look at at the comparables that were were out there and what else might be available to rent and as as it was last week when i looked for comparable two-bedroom houses in this area i mean i didn't look very wide but around where, where this property is there were zero other houses on the market on the rental market <laughs> so 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 maybe that does just point to people being desperate because there just isn't anywhere else well i think this does lead us quite neatly into some of the data that we're looking at from patma at you know the national level and we're seeing the the new rental property listings and that number has dropped very quick view, it's, it's dropped from around 20 listings, 20,000, sorry, listings per week to around 18,000. So, you, you know, just very quickly, that's a that's a 10% drop in listings, but it's not quite 
Armageddon levels, but again, this is at the national level, not a local level. Yeah, exactly. And if you look over the, the, the trend, there was a, a massive drop, obviously, over Christmas because nobody's putting properties on the market over Christmas. And then January saw numbers back up at a, a reasonable level. But since January, the number of rental properties coming onto the market each week has been steadily falling. I mean, it's not a straight line, it wobbles around a bit, but the, the overall trend is definitely downwards. So, so yeah, I think there, there is still a big shortage of rental properties. Although, interestingly, the time to rent days on the market shows uh, how long properties rented each week had been on the market. And as a moving average, I mean, there's a slight blip, but it's, it's, it's increasing in terms of the number of days on the market for a property. With the most recent week showing that, you know, on average, it looks like, you know, the rental property has been on the market for you know, 50 something days, which is, which is increased, you know, over time. But it's, uh, I guess when you look at the moving average, it, it, it's, it could, you could argue also that it's, you know, fairly static. Yeah, this is a bit of a weird one because it that that just seems so high to me. Mm. I think it it must be being skewed by by particular bits of data. Really, for for my own part, I am contributing to to making that a, a bigger number than I think it should be. In so much as I put the property on the market at the end of last week, and then I started receiving email inquiries and things through through OpenRent, and it was only at that point that I thought. Oh, I better better work out when I can do viewings. I looked at my diary for this coming week, and spoke to my wife, and um, concluded that I didn't really have any time for viewings. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's actually going to be next weekend now before before I even start viewings, and I have started actually the process of booking some in now for for the Saturday. But but that means my property is going to be on the market for at least a week and a half by the time anyone's gone through the the process of putting down a holding deposit and things when it probably could have been rented in a few days if uh, if i'd a bit if i'd been a bit more on the ball and uh, and thought ahead for those thinking about doing this themselves and we've talked about this before because obviously i've done this as well and it's in previous episodes where we've where i've done this using a different software to open rent a software's name which i can't remember right now but out of interest for those listening what checks do you do so you've mentioned obviously percentage of income against rent and you know you you target the 40 percent what other checks do you do or what other things do you do immediately to either include or exclude potential applicants that's an interesting question actually because i've i've changed my approach on this occasion so previously when i've i've rented that property i've put the advert out there and then as inquiries have come in i've arranged to to speak to the the applicant and have a bit of a conversation, find out a bit about their, their background, why they're moving, where they're moving from, what their job is, what their income level is, and sort of get a, a feel for, for their, their situation and whether I think that's, whether they are looking for a stable and long-term tenancy, which, which is obviously what I'm, I'm hoping for. But this time, given that I had so many applicants and I then wasn't available or I'm not available for a week to, to do any viewings, I've actually decided to to just say I'm going to spend Saturday afternoon doing viewings and I'll just book in as many as I can 
and I'll, I'll sort of effectively do my my mini tenant interview in person when when people come to viewings. So I, I've set aside a few hours, and and I suspect I will have I don't know ten to to twenty. No, that, that sounds too many. Ten to fifteen maybe viewings in those those few hours in the afternoon, and I'll, I'll talk to people then. So I'm not doing nearly as much sort of early pre-screening as I normally would. And instead, it's, it's just the, the, the very basic, can you afford it, checks. So the, the open rent system asks a few basic questions, including sort of the, the total household monthly income, which mentioned already. But they also ask, do you have pets? Do you smoke? Do you, do you receive benefits? Do you, do you invest in crypto? No, no, they don't ask that one yet. I'm not sure whether that would count for them or against them, really. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> could, could be interesting conversations, but at the same time, they're probably broke now. So uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, so so I've, got a, I've got a few sort of basics to, to go on, but really I'm only going on, on the affordability at the moment. And whether they say yes or no to a pet, I mean, it, it could be a, a very scary collection of rockfiler dogs or something, or it could be a, a fish. I, I mean, you, you just don't know. So, so that would be something I would ask later on and it'd be something I ask when, when people turn up to, to view. It's the rockfiler fish you want to worry about. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, so I'm not making any decision on that. Uh, smokers I would look to avoid, but, but again, they could smoke outside. It probably wouldn't be too big a disaster. The benefits, I think that sort of feeds into the affordability question, but um, on its own is, is not a deciding factor either way. And indeed, the, the tenants that have applied, some of them have been on benefits with income of around £2,000 a month, and some of them have been on benefits with an income of £6,000 a month. And equally, well, almost equally, the other way around, so there have been a couple of people who have said they don't receive benefits, but their income is only two and a half thousand pounds a month. So it's, yeah, I, I think from my point of view, I'm just going on affordability on that one rather than whether there are benefits involved or not. Yeah. And I think the softer elements that you get from your, in inverted commas, interview with potential tenants is just, you know, your sense of, for one of, <laughs> you know, for one of not insulting anyone, but do they do they feel like they're to be the sort of people that might trash my property within a few weeks? Do I think there's longevity in in the tenancy, etc.? Yeah, you know, there's no other. You know, these are the, just the softer elements where you get a feel for just by meeting someone. Yep, yep, indeed. And uh, I think we just have to wait and wait and see on that one. Yeah, that's all good insight in relation to letting your own property. And hopefully you've found something of use there. And if you have, please do leave us a least a rating on your podcast player of choice and also a review if you feel that way inclined. And please do join the Bop Tribe if you haven't already. Simply go to the notes in the podcast and click there and that will take you straight through. Other than that, we look forward to speaking with you on the next episode. Bye.